Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast. And we are up to episode six, and today we are generously co-hosted with Ajeline and Peg, also known as Fonty Tuggles, if you are a Patreon commenter. And let's hear let's hear from these guys, these um, lovely ladies, and hear a little bit about themselves, and also how they first found MPL. All right. Um, so I first found it about um, a year ago. Well, no, it would have been like an hour, a year and a half ago, like right uh, when it was ending off the first run, and then uh, I discovered it on Canvas, and I fell in love with it, and it just you know um, from there I've been like on the Patreon since. Um, and uh, I'm Ajlene, and uh, I have uh, two podcasts, Disney Dives and The Feminist Critique. Thank you, Ajlene. Let's hear from you, Peg. Uh, okay, good afternoon. I'm Peg, a.k.a. Uh, Saucy Tuggles on Patreon. Um, so I, I found MPL at about episode... I'm thinking in the teens about 10 between 10 and 20 episodes after it was um an original uh and if anyone has advice on how to find great cool uh webtoons on canvas let me know because i don't know how you guys find these before they turn into originals but um i sure wish i had uh but anyways i've been a fan ever since and uh it's uh definitely head and shoulders above a lot of other um stories so i'm i'm hooked yeah and i think i probably found it also close to around the 20 and as soon as i read it also within like an hour i think it was at her patreon i was like give take my money <laughs> i i really, really <laughs> want to support this person who's making this amazing story with amazing art i could tell how much work went into it and i had just gone i had just like literally um a few months before that like taken away all the other Patreon supporters, like people that I was supporting on Patreon because I wanted to save money. And as soon as I read this, I was like, I'm going to Lily, I'm paying her. That's it. Yeah, because I remember right away too. Because I remember when you first got on uh the Facebook group, you you were like uh like gung ho. You were like you, you were right in it. Like you were very excited for um for the comic and uh which like I, I was excited to see, you know, somebody new, uh, like finding uh, the comic and being so like inspired by it. Right, right. And I remember I joined right away at the one dollar level, and I wasn't sure if I didn't want to join at the five dollar level because I thought that I wanted to keep um, the storyline intact, and I was worried. I had read that like the not safe for work stuff that she does as AU is alternate universe, and I was like, oh, is it going to mess up with the story in my head? Am I going to get confused? And I lasted for about one day of deliberation <laughs> before I succumbed. And I'm like, okay, you're five dollars. I want to see more. <laughs> I'm very really glad I did. Um, and and I also started fast passing right away because honestly, I realized right away that this was something that was very emotionally like a release for me. And I was like, you know what? For about fifty cents an episode, this was worth it for me. And um, this is my like treat for myself. 
So, and I love that because joining the Fast Pass, um, especially on Patreon, you get to see a lot of more behind the scenes. And Lily really comments a lot. And she gives you more insight into the characters and the story and the plot. And it's 100% worth it, at least if you're obsessed like we are. <laughs> I agree. Lily's engagement on Patreon is, is I, I don't even know how she does it. It's amazing. Oh, she- I mean, when I, I fast passed immediately, I know. You know, they say that um, when you read something, you should read like a wolf eats just like in giant ravenous chunks. And that's kind of how I <laughs> responded to MPL immediately. I was all in. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I find that uh, on Patreon, she's very, uh, she responds to, you know, everything. Um, if you send her a message, uh, which I've. Um, I have just like once or twice to kind of get uh, clarification and permission because there was there's like a few issues in the Facebook group. Um, so I I shared, you know, a post that she had put on Patreon, but after she had given me permission and um, but she responded like very quickly uh, and she's just very engaged with her audience. Yeah, she is. And I see them like on Instagram. She also she uses two platforms like Patreon and Instagram, and she replies mm-hmm. to a lot of comments on Instagram. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should start like browsing through all those to see if there's any de- details there. Not, I don't think there's many as much as like there's a Patreon. I think it's more like oh, thanks and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I definitely like I read all the Patreon comments specifically to make sure I get every nugget from her. <laughs> so let's dive into the episode, episode six. So it's still on day one of their meeting. They've you know interacted at the train station she tore her shirt open took the picture she went to press to lane and she just fell off a tree straight into Tora's arms and <laughs> yeah the episode starts out with her saying you know thinking am i dreaming and then Tora, like you're not dreaming <laughs> and then that's a man's voice and Tora briskly i didn't think this is like him keeping his image even though, because he, he just saved her, right? It was a very sweet thing for him to do. So I think he has to, like, have this, like, image. Like, I'm, you know, a tough guy. Get up. I don't have all night. And <laughs> Toppy just, like, sits up. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. And she turns around, and she tries to see him. But what does he do? He grabs her, and he, like, pulls the hoodie uh, over her face and then ties it real tight so she can't see anything. And she's almost like, what, what just happened? <laughs> she was able to see his arm reaching for her. So she sees the, the ring, the bracelet, and the tattoos, mm-hmm. which is, you know, something to play later. So, Peg, I'm going to ask you, like, why do you think he did that? Well, he clearly wanted to interact with her without her identifying him as um, the perv from earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. that's what I got out of it. I mean, I, I'm kind of scrolling through the episode while you're describing it and I'm hypnotized by these hand drawings. So the start of episode six is one of the places where you really get the first look at Lily's uh, amazing work with uh, man hands. Mm-hmm. It's right. hypnotic, but yes, go ahead, go on. <laughs> Yeah, and you know it's funny that Poppy, interestingly, right? She, you know, officially tries to untie the knot, but I'm not so sure she's actually trying so hard. I think she 
uh, recognizes his need for anonymity a bit and like validates that because I can't see it being so hard to take your hood off, frankly. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's, he's tying his own jacket. <laughs> I, I think this is one of the moments where we kind of get a play of like how um, so from like the original like the the original comic before like this one came out um, I found that Poppy as a character was much more of um, like silly in a way um, so this was kind of one of the moments where it kind of plays back to that like silliness of her kind of um, especially with her uh, eyes being covered and her kind of like walking around almost you know being blinded right um but like as the story prog- progress later on we kind of you know learn a little bit more about poppy um but this was just kind of one of those moments where she's just like she seems kind of goofy in a way if that makes sense she goes into uh, cuteness as a defense yeah as you kind of later later learn you realize later how how powerful her observation is during these these little moments here mm-hmm. right and she's she's worried that he's gonna steal her money she's like that makes no sense he saved me and then he wants to steal the money and then you know she's fumbling around and she's almost <laughs> about to slam into this pole and tora the sweetheart says not that direction and he grabs hold of her wrist he wants to protect her oh my god it's so sweet i can't and <laughs> Stop moving around. I'm right here. And he's like leaning over her in this protective stance beyond, uh, beyond adorable. Such a good guy. It's interesting because now that, you know, we're seeing it from the outside, we can see both of them. And we, we can also see it from after her uh, day in the restaurant where she realizes who it was who caught her, you know. But in this particular moment, before she knows who this is and it must actually be uh, a real moment of uncertainty and and fear for her i know if i was in that position and i didn't know it was actually my knight in shining armor here you know um it would be quite frightening why would somebody do that you know take your vision away oh yeah and i like how poppy poppy is so blunt and so um She's innocent. She doesn't have any, like, what's the word? Um, like, she's just, whatever she is, she is. You know, she's like, are you trying to mug me because I'm dead broke right now? You know, she's just putting herself out there and like, there's no point in trying to mug me. I don't have any money. It's just, you know, it's just like, that's like money is a thing for her. She's, she talks throughout the thing how she doesn't have a lot of money and she can't afford things. So, like, right away, she's bringing that up. It's a big part of what's on her mind. And Tora's like, why would I want to mug someone like you? And then she's like, I feel like attacked by this. Yeah, you know? I think the the next frame, if it, if I were in her shoes, the next frame would would dial down my anxiety in that moment quite a bit. Because if someone's like, "Yeah, I'm a, a celebrity," <laughs> you, you know that that whatever you know, ex- violent act you were picturing in your head is probably not about to happen. Right. Right. And the thing is, like, she believes him. She's like, "What? For real? No way!" And I'm like, I would never believe someone if they told me I can't show my face because I'm a celebrity. That's like makes no sense. Oh no, I, I, I definitely would be like, mm, I, I feel like you're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like this, this, this image is so beautiful. Atora leaning over her. He's still holding her wrist. And again, this is you know we know that he he 
liked her right away. And he's trying to touch her all the time. You know, he obviously he rescued her because he wanted to make sure she didn't get hurt. But I'm sure he was, you know, had thought of that cute little body, snuggle up against him. Nice. <laughs> so online, I, I did this whole, I'm trying to do a PDF of this, but I did this whole kind of analysis of the visuals in MPL and, and how it uh, is filmic in certain ways or cinematic in, in certain ways. And this image that you're just talking about here, where at the panel where she's like, whoa, no way. The visual is one of the ones that I would have used in that analysis because uh, it talks about how like in, in uh, film directors sometimes use the, the image to the background of a character to show what, show their internal landscape. So in that frame, as you can see, you know, it's night, but there's this kind of glow on the horizon that's rising up. And so you could use that as a metaphor for what's going on inside Torah. You know, he's usually a creature of the night, but here he is holding her hands and bending over her. And there's this glow that's kind of coming up. So it's not just a pretty picture. It also has a meaning to it that, um, you know, it's, it's, I just love how she, how all of those images can be reinterpreted that way. If you, um, you know what to look for. Well, well, now that you mentioned that, because like Lily has said in the past, right, that that Poppy is um, is Torah's light, essentially. So you like you saying that it, it makes much more sense. Yeah, right? there are other images in other episodes that you can look at, too. But let's but I know you want to focus on and right. that's just and a really good example there. Yeah. And something else that is, I think, prominent is that Poppy sees herself as this country girl that moved to the city. And this backdrop that they have now is like the city lights, right? Which people, a lot of people associate city lights with excitement, but also loneliness and, you know, intimidation and being, feeling alone in this big city. But now, now she's not alone. She has Torah who's taking care of her. And that's just like a hearkening of what's to come. Well, it even says like at one point, you know, when he's asking, he's like, you know, did you hurt yourself? And, uh, you know, that there is, uh, he has that bodyguard mode kind of on, right? Because I guess he has to do this all the time with, uh, with <laughs> Quincy, um, <laughs> where he has to like take care of Quincy when he's, you know, making a mess of himself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Compassion. You know, we, we've just seen Tora in this, you know, the same, last episode in the same day um violently bring two criminals to visit help kill them he didn't kill them directly maybe but he was you know holding him down and we are seeing you know i think willie's showing us that's not who he is that might be what he has to do but at his core he's a gentleman and a caring person it's kind of ironic actually that now that you know the bodyguard mode it kind of makes me laugh because if you take the long view of his relationship with Quincy, he seems to be more than one roughing him up and <laughs> causing him to need a bodyguard than anybody else. But it, in this moment, it's very sweet. Right. And then Poppy is you know, still excited. What kind of celebrity are you? And Tor's like, it's none of your business. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's really cute. Cause like she ends up, you know, saying like, Oh, well, I guess you're probably a singer. And he's like, well, why would you think that? That frame where he's holding her face there is gorgeous. Yeah. It, it's one of the, I mean, he looks very hot in that 
<laughs> and so his arms are on her face and he's looking intently at her eyes and you know you can see he cares about her and that's what i think everyone everybody wants in the end they want somebody to care absolutely about them looking intently at where her eyes should be <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's a moment of well of intimacy that frame it's very intimate look at it right. and she's, she's still completely down, right? focused on her and she's just quiet she's accepting the fact that this person has his you know eliminated her vision and has his hands on her face and she's fine with that i wonder if she can <laughs> with him right away. the next moment is one of my favorite moments <laughs> why do you yeah, think okay. i'm a singer oh yeah, yeah you, you can you go ahead and decide what's happening because you've got a nice husky voice. <laughs> That's a perfect moment. Right. Totally, again, like saying whatever comes to her mind, being completely open. And Tora's like sweating. He's like, what the heck? I've got a nice. He uses a higher pitch voice. But so she daft. Who the hell says these things to a stranger? <laughs> no, well, she in his world. Well, she thinks he's a celebrity, right? So she's just like. Mm-hmm. I guess more open because of that. But we find out later she didn't buy the celebrity thing. Mm, that's She's true. playing along with the celebrity thing. Um, interesting. I thought that here she does, but then later when she sees him at the restaurant, she sees him confused. I think later she figures out that was him. Oh, because my sense of the com- later conversation with Erdine was that mm-hmm. she she was like, "Yeah, no, duh, I knew." You know, but um, I've I've learned to how to how to work these situations because mm-hmm. I'm tiny. But I don't know. There's two. I guess there's two interpretations there. Right. I don't know if she right. Maybe she doesn't buy that he's a celebrity. But I don't think she connects him with the train guy because no. first of all, she didn't see his tattoos back then, and also she would not react like this if it was the train guy. She would be you know upset. No, I agree. She doesn't know. She doesn't realize it's him until until she sees the bracelets later. Right. And, you know, the fact that she's like so open with him, it's such a like how he reacts to it. Again, it shows their different worlds. Like Poppy's used to she's able to be open. She's able to say what she thinks. Tora, his whole modus operandi, he has to keep himself hidden. He has to restrain himself. He has to keep his thoughts inside. He can't say what he thinks. Total different worlds, these two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so now Tora says this. He said, I play a bit of the guitar, but I can't carry two to save my life. I thought he was lying. I thought he was. I, I thought he was making it up, but turns out we have seen, we'll see later. He has guitars in his house, a guitar in his house. Throughout MPL, he is almost completely honest in every interaction. He's he's really straight. I mean, he doesn't disclose things, but he's when he does say something, it's usually it's usually the truth. Right. Yeah. Now that you mentioned <laughs> that, that is that's apps that's true, and it's um. I think that's what makes him so endearing is because he is truthful because when you like look at it from like Lily is basically making the the hero of her story like a guy who is technically a criminal who like does really bad things but you know there's ways of like making him endearing and I feel like that's one of those things. Right. One of the um, screenwriting books, that I read a lot of screenwriting stuff, and one of the books I, I read is called Save the Cat. And the idea behind that is that you have to give a character a save the cat moment, or a moment where they do something good, like saving a cat, that makes you like them. So even if that makes you invest in their story, so even if they're like a criminal, 
there has to be some reason that you're interested in their story and seeing what happens to them and that you want things to be good for them. So it's called like this. He called the author, who I forgot his name, calls it a save the cat moment. So here, Poppy saved the cat and he saved the girl who saved the cat. <laughs> so here's my question. Did Lily go to film school? Because Poppy just literally saved the cat. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, let's ask her. I mean, she definitely has this, the the panels and like the perspective of each panel to me like displays either for sure a cinema a cinematographic um, awareness if not training i don't know the training but she definitely has this awareness and i know that in one of her patreon comments she was talking about how she really tried to enhance that mm. and you know perspectives well she's knocking it out of the park for sure oh yeah definitely yeah. One of the things that I realized, like when I started reading this was I've always read books and I've never read cartoons. I mean, I read like Pokemon when I was a kid, but um, I realized like, and I'm a words person, like I, I, I write and I write poetry and I write story. I don't write stories that much, but if I do, it'll always be with words. And I realized that when you're using the visual medium, you have, you share the words because there's the dialogue and some words, but a lot of it is like the visual and a lot of it is the perspective. And we really learn a lot by what she puts in a panel. So yeah, so it's like a whole new medium, and I admire the ability to think in that way as well and to be able to express meaning through the visual. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I really like about MPL is that, and a lot of um, uh, webtoons and other comic medium uh, don't do this, is it is very filmic. The visual not only gives information and gives story and plot line just in the artwork, but it also contrasts with what's happening in the dialogue mm. and that kind of tension between dialogue and visual uh, the storytelling is is really um really advanced and it really adds depth and complexity to the to the narrative she's really good with structure i'm, I'm kind of panning back up to the beginning and uh looking at her panels and they're kind of a, uh the first part is sort of these triads she wakes up one two she sits up three she turns her head and the hand comes out and then one pulls the hood over two pulls the string up three she's uh in the hood now and starts next now you're at a wide shot looking down at him one uh two she turns towards the pole three he grabs her hands and then starts again one she's down crouched and holding her two crouched looking at her three thinking about why he can't show the face and then four i'm a celebrity so there's these little there's like mm. these little tiny mini scenes. One, two, three. One, two, three. One. It gives a rhythm to the whole, um, the whole strip. That's amazing. Mm. I love that. Mm -hmm. that you can so break cute. it down like that. It's it's beautiful. It's very beautiful. Wow! Thanks so much for saying that because like I rec I recognize that I don't have that kind of skill to see that, and I'm so happy that you said that. You know that you're adding this dimension to it. My undergraduate is in music, and it reminds me a lot of how musical pieces are structured. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's amazing. I, I'm a little bit of a dum-dum, so I, like, I, the, this stuff, like, goes way over my head sometimes, where I'm just like, I don't know, it's like pretty pictures and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know what, yeah, I, when, when I... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But when I read a news strip, I, I just read all the way through it and I'm just sort of buffeted about emotionally by whatever whatever the story is doing to me. And then I finish it and I'm like, why did that just do that to me? And then I go back through and I'm like, all right, let's find out why. <laughs> so that's kind of how I, I read it. 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The first time I'm just sucked in. Of course, mm-hmm. maybe first few times, depending on the episode. Oh yeah, I've right. I definitely have read this comic like probably not as much as some people, but like at least four times. Just saying, that's a lot for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can't count because I go back and like I read. I don't read. Like I read a couple episodes here, a couple episodes here, but I don't know, a lot. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, I usually read like the episode, I read it once that night when it comes out and then I read it again before it comes out. Sorry, I read it again that night and then I read it the next day, a couple, like well, twice probably and throughout the week I'll read it probably another twice. <laughs> like, so so anyway, so he's um, he's about to leave and she says, wait, are you leaving now? You have to untie the not for me. And then it's like the sweetest thing. He wraps his huge arms, hands around her little arms and shows her how to do it. And I think that's, you know, again, like just showing his compassion and I think his desire to touch her because he could have just instructed her verbally, but he demonstrated with his hands, gently, softly, and sweetly. He could have just took off. That's true. He could have. But um, yeah, he he shows her, she pulls, you know, the, the hoodies off and he's already, like he's long gone. So I guess he can either run fast or you know, just in general, di- he's able to disappear. Oh, yeah. Oh my <laughs> he, God. He, he scrambled up that tree and he's peeking down at her. <laughs> <laughs> right. We wonder, right? We wonder how much is he, is he staying there looking at her? So, <laughs> so she's looking around and she's, um, you know, looking for him and everything's empty. And she's thinking to herself, he sounds so kind and gentle, even though his arms are covered in tattoos, which, to me, like to me, it's kind of sad that people even associate tattoos with being rough. I mm-hmm. don't get it. To me, a tattoo is just art, you know, just on, well, on your body. That's it. Well, I but, mean, they are. Um, they're in the style of like yakuza tattoos, right? So I think that's. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not like the setting has been, you know, said by Lily that it's like not. It's not in Japan. It's like a place that doesn't exist, but it's almost I, I like to think that it's almost uh, like Singapore, where like many mm. cultures all come together. So that's that's how I always like, you know, put it in my head. Right. But um, those sorts of tattoos um, are considered very dangerous, like they're um, like Yakuza tattoos. They're, you know, mafia tattoos almost. So I think that's why. Mm. And I feel like she would know that at least. So I think that's where she associates it with. That's a good point. That's true. Right. We have to understand like what the characters see. And then she starts crying. She just had like a very overwhelming day. And, you know, this little act of kindness just does her in. She starts crying. So this day started out with finding out about jewelry cheating on her and then the accident and then all the blood. And then the, I mean, this is all one day, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the end of the first day. So it's kind of interesting to me that the day started out with one man, her in a very hurtful and the most personal way you could betray somebody did with another man rescuing her again in a very physical, uh, personal, intimate way and helping her and being kind to her. So it's kind of these interesting on this day, even though the day is split across a number of episodes, it's very beautiful and, and symmetrical. Yeah. Okay. That's beautiful. I, I think that she uses that a lot. 
because this was like a very strange day because even you know in the um the police station right where you know that guy like steps in front of her and starts uh, accosting her and you know before the cop yells at him right so it's just there's been so many uh and then even when she you know went to like file this report only to be told well it's not that big of a deal right so it's just been like these ups and downs of you know emotions (laughs) so uh this is probably like that breaking point of you know it all coming to a head emotionally wise yeah and doesn't that same guy isn't he one of the ones that ends up dead yeah yeah at vincent's mm-hmm. hands yeah just not a good day for him no <laughs> no it's crazy like the complete disregard for life especially for the lower downs you know in the clan in clans they're like the grunt work their their lives are it's dispensable yeah that's really it's crazy it's a crazy world yeah so anyway Continuing on, we have now we are at the next day and at this restaurant with studies. And I don't know if I'm completely because I keep kosher, so I don't I don't go out to eat. But I was driving the other day and I was like, there was a restaurant Chevy's. I was like, what? I was like, the Chevy's actually exist. <laughs> I, I was like, did I just miss it because um, because I like don't eat out at restaurants. I don't know. <laughs> so it was, funny. but I don't know. It, was, it wasn't upscale. I think it was just like a looked like a middle middle class joint. It didn't look like. Before we go to Chevy's, do you, can I gush on those last two images for just a yeah. second, though? Yeah. The so the crying uh, one where she's in the square frame, and one of the things I was analyzing when I did that filmic, looking at it as a from cinematography, one of the motion that you use in uh, films is the motion of nature. Um, there's the motion of individuals, the motion of groups, the motion of the camera, and the motion of the cut between. Uh, frames but the motion of nature if you look in that the frame where that where she's crying look at her hair her hair and the tears running down her face even though it's a still picture it incorporates that motion of nature and brings that that life and movement into the into the image and that's another thing that that Lily is just amazing at and then if you contrast that with the next one where she 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 pulls the camera up and Poppy's foreshortened so you see how tiny she is mm-hmm. all of the uh the environment around her is gone and it's just her in white space which creates that sense of emotional isolation with her hands over her face but you still have the movement of nature in the strings of her sweater and the hair flowing uh so it's just it's that emotional, it gives you that emotional, um, it, it, I don't want to say it manipulates your emotions, but it, it's, it moves your emotions because of the, those visual techniques. And I, I just, I just, am such a fangirl. It's not even funny. No, that's amazing. You know, it's interesting that you're describing these things. Like I kind of noticed, <clears throat> like I noticed them, but I don't know how to articulate them. And that's why I'm so excited that you came on and that everyone agrees to come on because we all have our different strengths and like the different lenses through which we do things. And like, I know I can do a good psychological analysis. And now that you're, you're analyzing all this, I'm like, yeah, I subconsciously understood that, but I would never be able to articulate it. So I'm so appreciative that you're, you're saying this and you're able to put into words what we kind of like vaguely notice. Thanks. Don't make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, That's good. Cause I'm horrible at the psychological stuff. 
yeah, we, we each have our, we each have our strengths and like the things that we notice based on, on who we are and what our skills are. Yeah. Okay. So we're at Chevy's in today and you know, this is where Vincent was referencing, um, you know, Oh, we're, there's like a planned luncheon, come and join us. And here he is. He looks really disinterested in being there. He's smoking right away. And Claude, right? Did I get it? Is that Claude? <laughs> right? Not Shark? Yeah, it's Claude. Yeah, that's Claude. So Claude is like, oh, come on, join us at the table. Everyone's there except for you, my dude, which is pretty telling because Tora is not interested in being in the clan. He doesn't like these people. He doesn't want to be part of that life. And Claude asks him, what are you having? And Tora doesn't even look at him, just puffs a cigarette and says strawberry juice. And then the strawberry juice is, you know, passed over and we we see Gyu for uh, Gyu uh, for the first time. Um, but we we don't really know who he is yet. Um, but Claude is just like uh, th- this guy, like, really, it's actually strawberry juice. Like, what a weirdo. <laughs> Can I be a pain in the butt again and back it up for to make it one yeah. observation? Oh, yeah, no problem. Which We're is not pain in the butt. This is this is exciting. We want this. Okay. So the, you see the Chevy sign, and then that first frame there. So you see a close up of his face. Uh, you see those hands. Um, he's lighting mm-hmm. a cigarette. But up till now, you've had all the the darkness and the the warm tones and the the city lights, as you said. So the kind of the the colors that symbolize Torah and the colors that symbolize Poppy. And now, poof, you're in like donald trump's bathroom basically you've got all these golds (laughs) and shiny stuff and rich guy stuff and so you instantly when you get into that gold to me it's now you're in vincent's world and what's he doing Mm -hmm. he's lighting up the damn cigarette because he's stressed because he's in he's in that you know that proximity to um vincent and the clan and these meetings that he doesn't like and the suit which he, you can see his ties a little rumply on the corner there but it just it instantly gives you all that information just in an image you know and it's just again just so masterful so i didn't even right. think about that but that is that makes so much sense like yeah and, and as soon as you right. kind of mentioned it and i was like oh yeah he's smoking that means he's stressed Mm-hmm. Right. And this is like the one way he can reclaim autonomy. Yeah. So, yeah. And interesting, you know, Claude, this is this is something that I my objection to society in general. I always feel like people associate alcohol with being grown up and being strong. And I just, mm-hmm. you know, to me, alcohol is just like a drink. You either like it or you don't. And, um, you know, for him, he's like, Claude is thinking, oh, well, Cora, who is a masculine guy, he's drinking juice, which is like childish. Why isn't he drinking alcohol? But... Um, you know, really, this is Torah showing he doesn't care about their external judgments. He doesn't care about what the world thinks. You know, he does his own thing. Like he doesn't like alcohol, and honestly, probably he. Does, I think he doesn't like alcohol because he doesn't like to lose control, and he cannot lose control. Well, I find I think too, that he always needs to be alert. I find that's too, a great point. Um, so in anime, like uh, I find that uh, a lot of anime when they want to show that like a guy is more feminine than you know you it's let on there's something to do with strawberries whether it's uh if you've ever seen bleach one of the characters uh is named ichigo which is strawberry in japanese um so uh and and then i've seen other types of anime where they've used like strawberries and pastries as like you know this guy's actually kind of you know 
um, sweet deep down. So I kind of feel like that's why strawberries are used for Torah. I think it's more than just he likes it. Right. And we do know there's like a definite strong poppy connection with the Torah, which with uh, with strawberries, which we'll see, you know, we'll link those as we go through them, as we find them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's a really good point about him being sweet inside. Yeah, it really does show that he and you see that later, too, in different uh, scenes where he, um, you know, she scenes where Poppy's worried about, well, you can't, you know, do this. What do people think? And he's like, Psh, let him think whatever. But that's this is kind of the first place where you see that with the juice mm -hmm. so he's not threatened by his minions or his peers um judgment right that to me that to me is like the real real strength real internal strength you know he has the muscles and that's physical strength and he knows how to use it but he also has internal strength and emotional yeah and then claude here claude is it's interesting how he was relating to him you know he's jealous of him but he's praising him at the same time you know, he kind of like almost against his own will, he has to, you know, say the truth and praise him. He's like, you're really something, huh? Prize bodyguard and right hand man of boss Baltimore, which is also exposition showing us, you know, what his relationship is with Vincent. Haven't seen you in a while. Again, he's been on vacation. He's been distancing himself. But that intuition of yours is razor sharp as ever. So they do realize that um, he's not just the muscle. But now Claude <laughs> says something which I wouldn't have i didn't pick up on this the first time i read it but now that i'm looking back i can see it he says feels like there's something else going on here and he's thinking like there's something about the notebook you're hiding from us and he's thinking back to his expression um, <laughs> at the meeting the other day whatever you do claude don't talk about the notebook <laughs> you're gonna be in yeah so it. then he he does like continue to say something and that's when like, before Claude even knows it, Tora grabs him by the neck and, like, pulls him from the seat. And he's just like, you know what? You talk a little bit too much. And then we get that, like, amazing shot where he is blowing smoke into Claude's eyes. But, like, I don't know, it's a hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> don't miss the buildup, though. If you see back to um, where Claude sits down. So Torres, that's the first time you see the smoke from Torres' cigarette, which is that movement of nature, the wind and smoke. And then in the next one, she puts the strawberry juice down. The smoke is there a little bit more. And the next one, the smoke a little bit more. So it's kind of this building threat through that. Then he, he exhales the smoke right across the image of uh, Claude's face. Again, there's uh, the close-up of Claude's face is obscured with, by the smoke, which so it's kind of like there's a tension, rising tension and visually, and then finally when you get course the given the big boss trust you so whole right before he snaps, it's almost you know there's a there's the bulk of the frame is that that swirling smoke in front of Claude's face, mm -hmm. and then the colors change as colors gets into the threat. So the if you look at you talk a lot. It's it's covered by the smoke, you know. So, and especially the next one that, like you said, the one that's quite hot. <laughs> but yeah, that, that smoke was building, and then it changes to his his cooler colors. So visually, the con the conflict happens even without the the words. I I I noticed that like as well the the tone change where it goes from like the more of the gold tone to the more grayish tone and I took it as like 
Claude's life being like on the edge, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like if if Tora wanted, he could kill Claude like uh, right at that moment. And Claude knows it. (laughs) Or any other moment, (laughs) technically. Well, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Claude, though, you know, Claude, the the moment that Tora chose to pick him up was Claude was taunting him. And, you know, he's like, of course, given the big boss trusts you so wholeheartedly. Right. That's a that's like a them fighting words. You know, he just accused Tora of hiding something. And then, he's like, well, actually trusts you, which is he's being sarcastic. So that's mm-hmm. the moment where Tora to show his dominance and to show that he will not allow um, Claude to talk that way to him and to imply that he doesn't. Um, that he's not, not trustworthy. And he does that because he needs to establish himself as trustworthy to preserve his life and to make sure that he can get what he needs to get done done. And also, obviously, he doesn't want Claude talking about the notebook. So Tora is just, like I say this all the time, he's he's masterful at power plays and at relationships and at making people intimidated or respect him or fear him. That's, um, that, yeah, that, those are his strengths. He's really good at psych out like reading people. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know if the intent was to be chilling or hot, but it's kind of both. And and like as I notice these panels, they kind of start getting like darker and darker, like and like with the tone shift. Mm-hmm. Um, as we kind of see that you know Tora, you know, says, "Ah, looks like there's no ashtray here," right? And then he's like, where should I, you know, any idea where I should stub my cigarette out? And like that, um, it's like you said with the smoke, like the smoke is just covering that frame. And it's like this green, it's become almost this greenish gray at that point. It's Right. Yeah, it is a kind of like his life being stuffed out. And, um, you know, Tor- Claude is looking super and he's, you know, he's terrified. He's says he's intimidating. And obviously, Tora is being, you know, threatening him. Like, should I stub it out on your eyes? And, you know, Claude's trying to budge him, get him to move his arm, but he can't. He can't. I mean, and he's, you know, someone who was threatening him just the other day, right? Like, he remembers. He's like, come on, let him, let me go out at him. I'll shake him up good. Trust me. And Shark and Shark is like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's insane. He'll F you up if you try. And now he's regretting it. He's like, we're in the middle of a restaurant and he's you know, choking him. Mm-hmm. What kind of metaphor is that? You're, basically, he said, telling him he's, he's uh, nothing more than his, his ashtray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's he's using the same tactics, I think, that he must have learned from Vincent mm-hmm. to make people feel little and to make them feel worthless. Yeah. Like, obvious. Um, and, and, like, so the moment, like, after, you know, this is done, right? Um. And uh, Gayu like says, "Hey, use this ashtray." Like the colors kind of go back to normal, and it's like we learn later on that uh, Gayu is like one of uh, Tora's closest friends. So, like, I think that's just showing that he is able to get Tora out of that mindset, right? And he doesn't like violence either, right? He wants to de-escalate the situation, mm-hmm. and. He- and tell him Tora stop it stop being uh nasty right because he understands 
his place and what he can get away with saying. And he's like, oh, look here, silly me. I forgot to take it out. Haha. You know, he's putting, allowing himself to take some of the blame um, to avoid, to, for a safe place. Even though obviously it's all one big intimidation play. You know, everybody knows that he doesn't need an ashtray. He just wants to make Claude feel threatened and show him his power. He's definitely de-escalating. And, you know, Claude, I, one thing I will say, I like the ba- that Claude doesn't turn um, spineless. He's like, let me go, you bastard. My eye's burning up. He doesn't, um, he doesn't like say, please, or I'll, you know, he doesn't turn into like a sniveling creature. He still has fight in him. I like that. Yeah. It's interesting when Q uh, lifts the ashtray, there's the, still the smoke in that frame. And then the next one, the smoke's completely gone. And then it comes back as he puts the cigarette out and then it's, it dissipates. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And then, like, the next frame, he's got, you know, the strawberry in his mouth, right? So. (laughs) Yeah. He's totally unconcerned. He's able to move on from this violence and just, you know, ah, pain in the ass, climbing gatherings, eating his thing. And this is how, you know, how Vincent trained him to be ruthless and not to cure, not to let anything affect him. (laughs) Yeah, that whole scene was just an annoyance to him got in the way of him eating his strawberry right <laughs> and you know i like the fact that you know you see right away again he's not interested in the clan gatherings he doesn't like these people he's not friends with them he doesn't want to be here and you know it's funny that claude right guy was like aren't you an mma champion must have a death wish messing with big rotora and establishing torah's physical superiority yeah over even the main fighters yeah now peg do you have any more visual stuff before we move on, move on to the next um, There's a theme and I don't want to read too much into it. But there, this isn't the most obvious point, but there's I always find, I often find that behind Torah Lily will put um, strong verticals. So if you have do you have one after all um, there's a these vertical lines behind Torah's head and then the vertical lines behind the bar in the next one. So mm-hmm. there's he's always he's not not so much behind bars, but there's always this kind of almost caged implication mm-hmm. in in some of the visuals with with Torah. And this isn't the best example of that, but it's it's a running theme that I noticed. But I don't know. Unco- uh, yeah, that's the only other thing. That's awesome. Well, definitely pay attention to that mm-hmm. and contrast it with the other characters. Uh, looking back, you, you're right. Like it, uh, and and we've seen this in other chapters. I just mm-hmm. don't want to spoil it too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we get to, um, in contradistinction to this, like violent and intimidating mess in the restaurant, we have Mr. Lamb outside and looking all cute. You know, there's a dog that passes by. Poppy's running. <laughs> She's late. And she sees Mr. Lamb petting the dog and, you know, waving and being all cute. And she's like, oh, he's a cute little grandpa. But at the same time, he's looking at his watch. And she gets there. She's, like, looking all distraught. Um, her braids, her hair is flying. She's puffing and puffing. And she said she stayed up all night because she was working. Which she, Poppy is very devoted to her work. And she's just the cutest thing. She's, like, in bed. Her She has these French dog, bulldog pajamas with, you know cat room glasses and there's a mess and Lily tells us her eyes are puffy and swollen from alternating between crying and working so this poor girl has had a rough night rough rough night 
Is that a sticky note in her hair? What is that pink thing? No, it looks like a sticky note. So yeah. she probably tells the work documents in her bed, you know? Yeah. And she set nine alarms. Poppy's very conscientious. You know, she is not only working all night, she also sets nine alarms because she wants to be on time. Unfortunately, it failed her. She's running, and, you know, she calls Mr. Lime right away. She's like, oh, I didn't forget. And, you know, the clothes from yesterday were on Bassett's head is the monkey backpack that we see later. And then Tora's sweatshirt is on the floor also. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, and her pajamas are on Yep, Lily is a master at all this. Anyway, so she's running, and she's like, oh, I'm a few minutes late. Seems like a nice person. I hope it's okay. But it's just funny because I grew up in, um, my family was super late, and my culture was like, there's no such thing as coming on time. Like, the wedding said six, and then you started, you came at eight. Like, then nobody was there. You're like the first person there. If you came two hours late. So I find it funny that, like, the culture that Lily, that Poppy is in, obviously, is much more special than the name, and the culture that I came from, because two minutes is like nothing. Like, there's just a thing to be unkind. It's just not a thing. So I like, um, <laughs> you know, you can tell that it is a thing for, for Poppy. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he straight up, like, mentions, like, you're three minutes late, and that, and he is upset. He was like, I'm going to call my chauffeur, or I was just about to. He definitely gives her the look, eyebrows and all. Right. And you can tell that he's a man who his every moment is precious to him because he doesn't want to wait around. And he also has a chauffeur, chauffeur, sorry. So those kind of people, uh, if something you can afford a chauffeur, why am I, I guess, why am I not pronouncing it, chauffeur, then they, they generally are, they're, they consider their time to be very valuable. But the other thing too, since this is based in a kind of a uh, Asian-esque land, is the issue of respect and showing respect mm-hmm. to your elders and to someone who has a higher social position that you than you. You would never make them late. Um, you would be, you know, present a certain type of appearance and have it have it together, basically. So that's mm-hmm. kind of I think what he's responding to too. Right, and we have a confirmation about it in later episodes, 100%. And, you know, how he's all flustered, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And then he's like, yeah, why did they send a teenager? Oh, because of how he's dressed. Yeah. And then she's like, go ahead. Oh, I just, uh, that was something that, uh, because I never saw her outfit as being, like, teenage, but I guess her having braids might be the reason. And she's also, like, She's also only 21 and like sometimes when for some people that are 21, like you can look really young. I looked like I was 12 at 21. <laughs> no joke. I, I think the outfit yeah. is kind of more casual. You know, it's pretty mm-hmm. short and it's not business wear Bird. for a business meeting, you know, so that I think yeah. that's what. And plus, you've got this uh, injury on her knee that's, you, you know, she's just not really business prep here mm. yeah. sneakers. <laughs> and is that is that the bag i think it is yeah it's the same bag yeah so she and just she's... brought the notebook mm-hmm. to um the baltimore meeting or baltimore <laughs> <laughs> how do you say that word i'm not sure yeah baltimore um and mm-hmm. i said this on facebook once and I'm, i'll just mention it here so my mother is Israeli, so I speak Hebrew. And in Hebrew, um, there's this phrase, bilti yuman. Uh, bilti yuman means um, not to be believed, unbelievable. 
And mm-hmm. whenever I still saw Baltimore, I was like, oh, it reminds me of the phrase "built human," which is like, oh, they're such an unbelievable organization. They're like so unbelievably disgusting and depraved. It's unbelievable. And then another "builty" means um, not like, and so I think "builty human" that they're not human. They're an inhumane organization. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's just some fun background things that I see. Ooh, that's cool. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. So, so anyway, so she gives her her business card, and she has a pretty nice job for straight out of college, assistant editor, manager. And now it's a small it's a small publishing firm, but still, it's pretty impressive. And you know, I think that shows us that Poppy was probably you know someone who got good grades in college and signed up for all the extracurriculars and was on all the clubs. I can just picture you know picture her being that kind of person. <laughs> and then she her little bow to him. I really like. I mean, we've seen her bow now to two people through. I mean, you were, I don't think we're there yet, but they're both elders. Mm. Who's the first one in the bathroom? I'm trying to remember. Well, the, this is the first one, and then Alice. Okay. Later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are the two people she's bowed to so far in the in the whole story mm-hmm. that I can remember. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, continue on, um, like her saying that uh, that this is supposed to be an excellent restaurant, right? Because, you know, as we see, it's a high-end restaurant and he's obviously a man of higher standard. Um, so she kind of wants to take him to this place to impress him. Right. Yep. And, um, you know, it's like our first work presentation and he's like, Oh, I hope you're ready for this presentation. And she's excited. And she's like determined to screw it up. Not, not to screw it up. Sorry. And then when she walks in, she, you know, she kind of visibly relaxes a little bit. And I think she's going, you know, intending on enjoying herself and like relaxing from the stress of like yesterday and rushing this morning. She wants to sit down and relax and enjoy a pleasant meal in a nice atmosphere. And she says, the food is amazing, the atmosphere is nice and posh. And then she sees, she starts off but just seeing, you know, the suited chest of this guy with this ring, a gleaming ring, this beautiful suit. And she's like, oof, holy smokes. The patrons here look so distinguished. And then the head pans up. And she sees who it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and yeah. she goes into a bed. And she's like, oh, cheers. <laughs> and that's the end of it. <laughs> that's a lot. Like, I love that panel of him. Like, he just, he looks so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, again, the, the camera work at the end of an episode that just, um, you know, gives you whatever feeling Lily wants to give you. <laughs> like, I, I just love you. you see her and she's smiling and she's got a little blush and she's got the little flowers f- floating around her head and it says excited. And then, like you said, you see that, that look at how that pan up goes, you know, the hand sophisticated, her reaction, chest sophisticated, a little bit of <laughs> hesitation and a little bit of shadow coming in there. And then <laughs> the full Monty there. And then suddenly look at that panel. You're close in on her face and all the uh, shading, the vignette shading around the edges. Mm-hmm. And then an even closer with even more um, dark <laughs> darkness around the edges. <laughs> right. It's just per- it couldn't be more perfectly done, really. Well, she couldn't even finish her thought. Like she just full stop you know when she sees who it is and it's just like in her mind she's like oh shit (laughs) 
Yeah, instead of looking impassive again, that's what he does, right? To protect himself, right? He doesn't want to show his emotions about anybody, and he doesn't probably doesn't know what to even put on his face. So he just has that blank look on his face, that like work mode face. But that's, I mean, it's her micro expressions. You know, you can you can look at that face and see reactions under that composure that he has there. What do you see? Um, I see him kind of having that internal pause moment, like, <laughs> really? <laughs> She's here? You know, just the, the same reaction, only just right. Probably the, the freeze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, with the grid over his head, by the way. Oh, wow. That's true. Well, it's like you said earlier, too, right? That like these colors are, um, are the you know ones of like vincent right and then we've got the grid over but there's also like he's also not stressed because he's not smoking anymore so maybe it means that you know because like not really because um (laughs) because he barely knows her but seeing her again maybe means that you know he's a little bit more calm yeah i mean you'll see that probably in seven yeah once he gets past his initial I don't know you you don't see shock at seeing her like you said he's just sort of taking her in here but right, he's and he's more used to controlling his emotions than she is you know he's used to situations where he has to react instantly and keep and keep him passive so but she can't you know she's <laughs> her reaction is written all over her face that's a really good point yeah he's reacting but the movement of nature is still there in his hair right his hair is always wild Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I keep using these terms. Oh no, it's perfect. Like it really uh I, I like learned a lot from just this episode uh about that sort of uh cinematography aspect because uh I usually don't notice that at all. Yeah, it's funny. I'm thinking I'm trying to think a little bit more about his hair. So and what you were saying, how it's still loose. I think that maybe, you know, Lily has said that Tora hasn't cut his hair just because he hasn't gotten around to it. But I think there's also an element of his hair is something that he can control and he's letting his hair be loose and unrestrained and free. You know, he, he ties it up halfway, but it's always messy and he doesn't really, you know, try to groom it. And I think there's, there's maybe an element of like, okay, I don't deserve self-care and I don't deserve to take care of myself. But I think it's also an element of letting loose and that's somewhere where he could just be free. Hmm. There is an element uh, or an uh, implication in some other episodes about uh, that he is aware of his appearance. You know, like when he gets mad if he has a bad hair day or he's proud of his hat or, you know, where he um, seems to like some of the effects. He, I mean, he, he doesn't, when women approach him, he just brushes them off, but... Um, he might like well that i mean i mean i'm sure everybody who can attest to like having long hair i mean he obviously takes a lot of really good care of it because um like i've met dudes with long hair that do not take care of it and it doesn't look like that that's for sure interesting that makes, True. That makes sense from a practical perspective. I feel like though maybe from a story, he's supposed to just have naturally gorgeous hair <laughs> that he doesn't pay much attention to. But 
yeah, I mean, realistically, you're probably right. He he has to do like a leave-in conditioner at least once a month, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a fun AU, you know, regarding. <laughs> anyway, guys, what do you have? Um, do you have like final thoughts on on like what we've seen with them so far, or like the characters? Any you know wrap up thoughts on this? Right, I think this is an important episode in that it um it carries some threads from the previous episodes forward and sets up action for uh subsequent episodes. Um mm. and it's building that connection between them. It feels almost like fate that they keep bumping into each other. You've got the end right. of one bump at the beginning and then the start of this next bumping into each other at the end of this episode. So I like this episode. I have to right, and really, like, she opens up by saying that life is a, a series of connected dots, and that they're you know hmm. unconnected are connected. So these uh, these episodes, uh, like I think the next one, uh, number seven, was like the last one when they were first being brought out because they, they always come out with three first, right? But then they have a few fast paths. In this case, there was four extra episodes. Um, so number seven is the like. The, the last one where like it got especially if you were into the fast pass like that was the last one for like a whole week after you blew through seven um but i think this is like one of those that like you you only knew that you had one chapter left and you spent that extra you know 50 cents um but it just it really just hooked you into the story right and i think lily is clever because every single episode ends with some kind of cliffhanger yeah. I mean, she set up this tension where everybody who's reading has this longing to, to see them together in the same scenes. And so to end it with them coming together like this, you know, you're definitely fast passing the next week. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're just fast passing everything. <laughs> fast pass every week for me. <laughs> I'm stuck. But. It's worth it. Too. <laughs> Thank you both so, so much for coming on. And I know we have future episodes with both of you. Super grateful for that. Thanks for coming and sharing your insight and, um, and particularly excited for the cinematography stuff. Cause we, we haven't talked about that before and I'm really grateful that you, you bring that out. Well, thanks for asking me on. And I really appreciate this whole conversation. I appreciate all the work that you've done, putting it, uh, putting this together and doing this podcast. Thank you both. Thank you. Um, as always, it's uh, it's great to be on this podcast. And again, thank you so much for uh, putting this all together because I'm sure the fans out there are loving it as much as I am. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, anyone who's obsessed is definitely uh, <laughs> this is another way to be obsessed. <laughs> and that's why we're doing it to release our obsession. Yep. <laughs> Thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. We'll be in touch. You too. Thank you.